Welcome to another message of hope from Gateway Church Australia. For more information or to contact us, please visit gateway.asn.au. We get stuck into a brand new series called Becoming. Thanks, Mark. And uh, I'm hoping that by the end of the series, which is going to go for a couple of months, because we've got so much we want to teach, uh, you will understand why we've got this image of a sculpture on the screen. And that image will be blazoned into your brain and you will, you will love it. And this series that we're starting today, I, I feel that God started talking to me about it about four months ago. And uh, just sort of downloading stuff that, that I think he wants us to hear. And I'm hoping that this could be some of the most important words that you will hear for quite a while. And we're going to unpack truths that I know I need to hear and rehear every year, every month, every week, every day, if I'm going to keep my life and my character and my passion heading in the only direction that is worth heading in. So I start with a very simple question. Why are you here today? There are a million things that you could be doing on this beautiful sunny morning on a long weekend in Melbourne, probably the last warm sunny day until next year. <laughs> oh no, no! I believe that you were drawn here for a reason. There is something about the atmosphere of the Church of God. There is something about this man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago which draws us Sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Christians are weird people. We're weird, we're extreme, we're radical. <laughs> but you know, I consider myself to be fairly intelligent, reasonably well read, not easily fooled or swayed to an opinion. And I can say that the story of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his call to follow him, it has been drawing my soul and the soul of millions of people for centuries. And as Rick said last week, empires, businesses, great men and women, they come and they go, but the church of Jesus Christ remains. I've read and I've studied the story of Jesus in the gospel narratives. I believe them. And I know many of you here do too, or you are intrigued enough about them to actually be sitting here wanting to learn more. But here's a surprising fact. Helping you to believe is not the agenda of this church. Did you know that? But we do have an agenda. But it's not a secret agenda because we will tell anybody who asks us what is at the absolute core of our mission here. But first let me tell you what our agenda is not. Our agenda is not to get you to turn up regularly, maybe become a little bit nicer, and with any luck, 
throw some money into the offering now and again. That is not our agenda. It is much bigger, much more important than that. So here is our agenda. Are you ready for the secret agenda of the church? We want you to have a life that is utterly transformed by the power of God. A life so transformed that God uses you to transform the lives of others, which transforms families, which transforms schools and businesses, which transforms suburbs, which transforms cities, which transforms the world. So our secret agenda is to take over the world, but not in a political power sort of way, not in a march through the streets and demand our rights sort of way, but, but in an underground bubbling springs of water sort of way, you know, where, where we bubble up through society with springs of kindness and goodness and, and peace and reconciliation and grace and hope and love. Our not-so-secret agenda is to help each of you to become not believers, although belief is so important, but disciples. And a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ. So if you wondered what we're doing here, that's it. And the agenda that we have is Christ's agenda. In the um, the the end of the book of Matthew when Christ is about to leave this earth in his physical presence. He says to his followers, it says, and Jesus came close to them. Now them were his followers at the time, but he's still speaking to us when he says this. So Jesus comes close to us and he says, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Jesus all the authority in the universe. And he says, now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. There are two major things he's telling us to do there. The first one is to baptise people. Now, that means we're, we're constantly inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. We want them, we want them to, to find out that they are loved and that he is their, their friend and wants to spend eternity with us. And whenever we have a baptism service, we celebrate that. But the second part is this. Teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. Faithfully follow all that I have commanded. I think most of us have got a long way to go there. Can I, can I see some shakes of heads? Yes, yes, we do, we do. Dallas Willard, who is a well-respected teacher, said this, the idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning to do what he said. Now, here's another important question. If you have said yes to Jesus, then he is your saviour. But I want to ask, is he also your teacher? 
Is he your mentor? Is he the one who guides your decisions on a day-to-day basis? Jesus came to create disciples, not believers. A disciple is a follower of Christ and a follower is on a lifelong quest to do what Christ does, to become like Christ. And what did Christ do? We talked about this verse last week, John 10.10. He came to show us how to live abundant lives. And a disciple not only knows uh, what abundant life looks like and lives it, but they help, they model, they mentor others in how to do that as well. And this is not, not, not an easy road. The word disciple comes from the same root word as discipline. Willard explains discipleship, one of my favourite definitions. A long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. That doesn't sound so bad for me in my 60s, but for you guys that are in your 20s or younger, a long obedience in the same direction. To live abundantly in Christ requires sacrifice. It requires saying no to some directions, some attitudes, some ideas, some behaviours, so that we can say yes to the things that really bring wholeness. And despite the difficulty, and I can say maybe because of it, I am drawn to Jesus. I want to change the world. I know many of you want to change the world. I want to change me. I want to flourish and I want to help others to flourish and not only spiritually but relationally and financially and sexually and intellectually. If I am truly learning to follow all that Jesus commanded, then every aspect of my life is under his lordship. And I don't belong to me anymore. I've handed over the direction of my life to him. It's an adventure to become my Christ. It's an exciting adventure. And many of you are on that journey. But can I say that the invitation is there for every one of you to be on that adventure that that long road of discipleship, of obedience to Christ. And I'm hoping that during this eight weeks, that if you are not already a follower of Christ, that at the end of it, you will step into this incredible adventure. We're going to be asking you, so be ready. So the big question for this series, who are you becoming? And the biggest sobering thought that I had this week is this one. The person you are becoming is the person you will be for eternity. Who are you becoming? Are you changing? Are you more like Christ this year than you were last year? Are you growing into his image? Because every other goal that you might have in this life pales in importance next to this one. 
And maybe some of us who are born again need to be born again, again into this adventure of obedience to Christ. And some of you are groaning right now, secretly, quietly, because we know, we know the cost. We know to follow Christ's teaching means I have to forgive that person. I have to submit my sexual life to godly principles. I have to be open-handed and giving. But the whole point of this series, please hear me out, the whole point of this series is not behaviour management. We're not here to beat you over the head and make you behave. The point is to become the sort of people for whom living God's way is our natural choice. It's, it's our joy. It's our default setting. It's to become the sort of people who would have to try really hard to not live like Christ. We cannot love God and stay the same. So if you're new to the faith or you don't have much knowledge of the picture of God that is revealed in the Bible, then, then you might be asking, what's Marcy talking about? You know, but I'm, I don't want to sign up to this if I don't know what I'm getting into. Well, the teachings of Christ are, are in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those four books in the Bible, but the Apostle Paul who wrote many of the other uh, books that are in the New Testament, distilled a lot of his teaching um, when he wrote to a new, a new church in Colossae. So um, this is, um, comes from Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read uh, a couple of paragraphs of it, but I want you to imagine. Imagine that you had nothing to do with the, the Jewish religion, so you have no idea about Ten Commandments or anything like that, and you are, this is New Testament times, and you are hearing this stuff about this man Jesus for the very first time. Imagine what this would sound like to you if you were what they would call a pagan in those days. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. That's how you once behaved, characterised by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech and lying. Lay aside your old self with its masquerade and disguise, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, or your ethnicity, or your education or economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of you. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavour to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble 
unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. This is just some of, a, of the description of people who are becoming like Christ. Not perfect, but becoming like Christ. And over the next couple of weeks, we just want to spend some time unpacking this because there's so much, there's so much to learn. But can I encourage you as an action point today, if you are not already part of a life group, can I encourage you to be courageous and to step into being part of a life group, which is a small group of people that meet in, in homes, on the, um, the Connect card that you've been given, all you need to do is say that I'd like to be part of a life group and we have a team that will get in touch with you and, and connect you. And even if you say, just for the next eight weeks, I'm going to be part of a life group because we are meant to become like Christ, but we were always meant to do that together. Doing it on our own is never as powerful. So let me just finish today with explaining why I've used this picture of sculpture by uh, Michelangelo, who was a famous Renaissance artist. Now, Michelangelo, obviously this, this sculpture is unfinished. Um, Michelangelo had this incredible gift. He, could, he would go to a quarry in Italy and he would see this massive block of marble. And it's like he had X-ray vision. He said he could see the figure inside of that marble sort of waiting to be released. And he said all he had to do was just get his chisel and just chisel away at the excess marble and this figure would appear, which is an incredible, incredible thing. So it is becoming something beautiful, but it's not finished. But one day it will look perfect like David, the Pieta. Michelangelo was known for the perfection with which he finished these sculptures. That unfinished sculpture is a picture of us as disciples of Jesus. And let me explain why. Firstly, the beauty was there right from the beginning. Michelangelo saw it, the master saw it. It was covered, it was hidden, but just needed to be restored to what it was really meant to be. We are created in God's image. We are beautiful, but that image has been clouded by our sin and only God can restore us. Paul writes in Ephesians, if you have really heard his voice and learned from him the truths concerning himself, then throw off your old evil nature. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Secondly, when it came to that sculpture, only the master could see what it was meant to be. 
if anybody else tried to chisel it, it might end up looking like this. <laughs> so the question is, who are you allowing to chisel you into shape? The third thing, the final sculpture. When we look at that unfinished one, I know that the final sculpture will be supremely beautiful, but the emerging one, the unfinished one, is also beautiful because the master is still at work. You know, when I'm, I'm a bit of an amateur painter, and when I'm working on a painting, I, it might start like this, and I don't despise it in its unfinished state. I see it for what it will be, and, and I smile every time I look at it because I, I imagine that this is going to turn into this one day. So we will only be finished and perfected in the next life when Jesus restores heaven and earth to a new creation. But don't despise your unfinished state. Don't despise the mistakes. Just keep allowing the master to work on you. And lastly, going back to this figure, that figure could not fight its way out of the stone. It is a dead, lifeless thing, but we are not. And we live in this paradox. The paradox is on one hand, we can do nothing to mould ourselves without the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the other hand, we have a part to cooperate with that process. There's so much more I want to talk about in this series. So what we've decided to do is for the next couple of weeks to give you a little bit of extra something called going deeper. Now this is already recorded and, and you can access it on the Gateway email. You'll see a little video called Going Deeper. And I'm going to be talking about a concept called FOMO, F-O-M-O. No, it is not what you think it is. Because all of you say, oh, I know what FOMO is. Watch it, I'm going to twist it a bit. And you can either watch that on your own or if you're in a life group, your life group leader might use that video as, as something that you can talk about in your life group together. But stick with us. I think God wants to do something quite amazing over the next couple of weeks.